Filet. Suit up. Damn it, Marshal. New is always better. Challenge accepted. I'm not the blitz. You want to hit in this sandwich? Damn, maybe be cool. Can we go camping? Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode three of the re-return. This week, we're going to be talking about episode three of How I Met Your Mother's first season, The Sweet Taste of Liberty, which is probably best known for the licking of the Liberty Bell in, say it with me now, Philly. We were like right on top of that. (laughs) (laughs) My name's Aaron. And I'm Lear. And that's my buddy Lear. And if you've been listening for the past two episodes, we are pretty much knocking down How I Met Your Mother episodes, episode by episode. And if I can say episode anymore, we'll probably get a cookie. This week, Sweet Taste of Liberty, I was so excited to talk about this episode because I think this feels like the first real How I Met Your Mother episode. So much happens here. And it's good. Like... Last week was long and, like, kind of hard to get through because a lot of really dumb stuff happened, but this was just fun. Yeah, this is just a, a good episode that could have kind of fallen anywhere in the series, pretty much. It's ki- almost kind of like a mission statement. I can think? see that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for the, the non-mythology episodes. Right. Like, obviously, the pilot is the mission statement for Ted and his long story and the mother, but this is kind of the other mission statement of the Hangout episodes. Where something crazy is going to happen, but it's going to be delightful. Exactly. So yeah, so this was a really fun episode. And it's it's one that, I think it's one of the few episodes that doesn't take place mostly, like the action is not in New York. <laughs> kind of surprising. It's true. They're hardly in the apartment at all, aren't, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. This is almost a, not, a completely non-main set episode. Mostly because they're navigating the post-9-11 world of airport travel. I feel like this goes about as well as it should. True. This is going to be a really good example of Barney just fucking it up. Yes, this is another one of Barney's fails that he saves because he always gets a yes or he turns it around or whatever his thing is. Like at least three or four of his plots fail before it becomes a legendary night. Right. Legendary. Yeah, we're going to talk about Yeah. This is when it all begins. This is the episode where you get legend. You're, well, it's the one about the dairy. It's the one with the cow in the middle that everyone... Wait, is it oh. the, I hope you're not lactose, not lactose intolerant? intolerant? Yeah. Because the second word is dairy. <laughs> I forgot this happened in episode three. It happened pretty early. Barney's, so if in case you didn't obsessively watch the episode five times this week, this is an episode where Barney's big plan is to take Ted to fill, like to the airport to pick up women and chaos ensues and they end up getting on a like chasing two girls to Philadelphia to find out they have boyfriends who are linebackers because apparently that's the most intimidating type of man that could possibly be of service to the plot um and in the meantime they <laughs> Get stuck by national security, homeland security, for putting bags on a carousel. Like post nine eleven world, folks. This was two thousand five. People knew better. The TSA was in have. full swing. They should have known. And he's been on a plane since then. Knows better. So you've done more air travel than I have. Um, yeah. Have you ever had a run in with uh, TSA or homeland security or done anything dumb at an airport? 
Um, not really. I've been very frustrated by TSA. Um, and I, on principle, refuse to get in the full body scanners. And I think that pisses them off. But That seems fair. Yeah. You um, ever show up and buy a last minute plane ticket in cash? No. Because, you know, it's a lot cheaper to buy it online, even if it is last minute. Who the hell could afford that besides Barney? Besides Barney, who could afford a last minute plane ticket to Philadelphia? Although they do have the advantage of of going out of um, a New York City airport. True. Um, it's a lot cheaper to fly out of a hub like New York. And <laughs> I imagine that flying to Philly from New York is probably like a 40 minute flight. Yeah, it's a hop. It's a little puddle jumper flight. Yeah. But, you know, those are two major hubs, so those probably weren't extremely expensive tickets, especially if the plane wasn't full. But, you know, it's still just kind of ridiculous. And I think this is a good time to talk about Ted the Buzzkill. Because he opens the episode with, all I wanted to do was go to the bar, and he ends up going to the airport, getting going to Philly, getting questioned by law enforcement in Philadelphia. <laughs> he just wanted to go to the bar. And he says it constantly. He's kind of the worst. I, I agree that Ted is the worst, but is dis- does disagreeing with Barney's stupid plans make him a buzzkill automatically? I mean, I this think... seems like a lot of fun, but this also seems ridiculous. This seems like something that I would have done 10 years ago, and not well, something that I do at 30. You know, we did recently... I mean, like, within the last month, just drop everything and go to Buffalo to get a beer. That's true. But we also made sure that we did it on a Saturday, and we were asleep at 11.30. We're disappointing, aren't we? A little bit. We're getting old. I don't think it's crazy to disagree with Barney's schemes. I just, you know, I mean, I guess this is the, the episode where Ted learns the lesson that he should be more positive about Barney's schemes, because they can end up in a crazy place that's true Um, and i i can honestly say that if a friend of mine paid for a last minute plane ticket for me to go anywhere i'm probably gonna shut up right there and stop arguing yeah like you've got the experience regardless i'd do that especially if i knew i was going to be home again in the morning that makes it easier yeah it's it's a hard thing to to say no so that's a a lot about Ted and Barney's adventure. But I honestly thought the MVP of this episode was Marshall. Yes. We learn a lot about Marshall. Uh, we so- get to see the Fiero for the first time. Um, Marshall, like, actually kind of gets a storyline here. Actually, he really gets a storyline here. Yeah. Everyone has a story here. Kind of. We need to make sure we don't forget about Lily and Robin. Yeah, I don't think I think Lily has a story. I do not think Robin does. No, no. Okay, that's beside the point because I want to talk about Marshall because he is game where Ted is not game. So like that's kind of where the buzzkill comes in. Like it's two against one, and Ted's the one. He, I mean, we are immediately introduced to Marshall singing his life. He probably sings like two-thirds of his lines in this entire episode. Oh, absolutely. Which is such a great thing to see in episode three that they don't (laughs) pick up on again until episode... Like, the third season. When does he pass the bar? Oh. uh, Spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah, that's season three. 
Yep. Get a lawyer had better be awesome. <laughs> Go yeah, to Philly. I, Philly. He's just like so charming and like instantly martial in a way that I think brings all the other characters into relief, which I think is one of the big reasons this is the first episode we say feels like a How I Met Your Mother episode. It's because Marshall, who in many ways is the heart of, of later episodes and later seasons, is suddenly 100% Marshall. Right. He is a real character now. Yep. He's he's him. Uh, we get to see, you know, things that, that relate to other episodes later, things that relate to... Like Marshall in college, this is where we get to see that he's always kind of been a big kid. Yeah. Because honestly, I mean, he's the only one with a car. Right. At this point, at least. And he's just willing to hop in the car and drive, what is it, three hours to Philly? A three hour drive from New York? I honestly have no idea from the city. It's like four from upstate New York where I am. But Okay. But yeah, and he goes back and forth like two times. He's like, I'm halfway there. Turn around. <laughs> we're stuck with it. like we're we're stuck with like uh, we're stuck with security. Turn it back around, going back to Philly. Um, the one thing he says that is obviously disproved later is, and I quote, "I've never been in a fight before." Yes, yeah, at the bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we do get a Lily story. Yes, we do. Let's not forget that uh, during all of this, you know, while the guys are uh, going to Philly, Philly, I'm trying to go to Philly, yeah. Uh, Lily and Robin are hanging out and getting to know each other at McLaren's. Right. And Robin keeps getting hit on. Which, boring. Yep. And then Lily doesn't get hit on. She's sad. She is sad. But she's engaged. She's got a ring. I don't know that it's, like, a ring would be that big of a deterrent. I just don't know. No, it probably wouldn't. I have no idea, but... I'm going to say anecdotally that this is certainly not something that, I don't know, I, I don't know where I'm going with this. I mean, admittedly, the last time I was, like, hitting on girls at the bar, which never really happened, but even so, it was when I was still in college, and I think Early at that point, yeah, I feel like at that point, the assumption is that no one is engaged, Right. so I'm, I'm not looking for a ring. Yeah, in college it would have been a waste of time unless you went to one of those weird religious schools where everyone gets engaged just so they can, you know, start fucking. Right. You have to imagine that BYU has a huge family housing allotment. They do. Footloose. Ugh. Oh, we'll get there. We'll get to that joke. We will. (laughs) So Marshall Marshall gets kind of jealous, too. Which we do come back to later. Yes. So Marshall, I think very early on, is, what is it, the striver? There's the, oh, no, he's the reacher. Right, the reacher and the settler. The reacher and the settler. Is Marshall the reacher? I don't know either. Lily's got her own issues. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that I believe in the reacher-settler thing as an absolute. Oh, absolutely not. That's Uh like so much crap. Right. Um, but, but, Mar- but we certainly see Marshall get jealous. Um, we will see Lily get jealous eventually too, but not yet. I mean, his arc was just so charming. Like he wanted to go to Philadelphia. He wanted to, his girl, his fiance to have a good time. He's just like good time Marshall. It's true. Until he finds out that Lily's getting hit on by a gay guy. And then he yeah. goes and 
And then he goes into challenges because honor is important. <laughs> and then he gets beat up by the gay guy's boyfriend. Which is or also Or gets great. in a fight with, rather. Yeah, it gets in a fight. I don't think anyone could really beat up Marshall. Probably not. Yeah, there's definitely that like minor character discrepancy. It's like when Robin says she played tennis or... <laughs> right. Yeah, because she says she never did team sports. And she very clearly played hockey as a child. <laughs> yeah. It's a season one episode of, of anything that lasts for more than a couple mm-hmm. seasons. There are going to be inconsistencies. Yeah, and also, I mean, we haven't really talked about Ted as an unreliable narrator. I was just thinking about that. And I don't think that this, at this point, I don't think we can chalk anything up to that. I think this is still just writers making yeah. mistakes. But Ted as an unreliable narrator is absolutely a uh, useful scapegoat as the time goes on. Right. I mean, uh, oh, the world needs to have its own in- inherent logic. Like, that's kind of one of the things about all TV shows is that no matter what the terms are of a television show, the the, in, the logic needs to be, inter- like, internally consistent. Right. And so far it is. And I think certainly there's some details that later, like pretty much any sitcom, they retcon or change to fit other plot lines. Right. Um, like, Robin's a lone wolf when she needs to be a lone wolf. And she was a hockey player when they needed a story about her dad. You know, Marshall has never been in a fight before when he needs to be charming and defacing in this to defuse the situation with a a guy talking to Lily that he's jealous of. But later, when the plot is convenient and after we've met his family, um, we find out that he is basically a monster who will murder you because he definitely got in fights with his brothers. Yeah, bare knuckle boxing when he was a kid. Yeah, I think it was more like... (laughs) ultimate fighting just like straight up (laughs) wailing on each other beating the shit out of each other yeah i don't think it's just like bare knuckle boxing i think it's like a cage match in the basement with shifting loyalties and murder train and murder train yeah i can't wait for that so something we don't have on the plan we should probably at least give some lip service to the non like i guess it's not a non-plot but like the lily and robin of it all um okay I don't think Robin really had a storyline. She's just kind of, like, she certainly doesn't really have any agency. She's just kind of there to react to Lily and to Marshall. She has a few good one-liners in this episode, but it doesn't really get us anywhere with her. Like, we don't find out anything new about her. We don't. And this also isn't the first time that Lily and Robin have hung out. It's, it's the true. first time that we've seen, like, that's been a mm-hmm. a point in the episode. Because we know that they hung out... You know, before the last episode, they they hung out because that's when Lily found out that Robin kind of liked Ted. Right. You know, they were drinking at the bar. Right. So Lily and Robin are now drinking buddies. Lily has issued her decree that (laughs) Ted and and Barney can't nail her unless they get married. And they're now out drinking and Lily is the person with the plot. She is feeling nostalgic for being single. She's been with Marshall since college. And Robin's basically there to say, which I think she says a lot in the series, being single is not great. <laughs> like it's not all it's cracked up to be. There are trade-offs, which is not really character development. It's just something she says at the I-, I question if the writers really had any idea what to do with Robin yet. 
it's something they str- I think they struggle with throughout the series. Like Robin has some wonderful arcs and she certainly becomes way more developed in later seasons. Right. And but... I, I think this may be giving the writers too much credit, but we do see at the very end of the series that Robin always kind of feels like she's not really a part of the group. Mm-hmm. Even though, I mean, she clearly is. But we, we do see during the finale, you know, when she's talking to Lily in the empty apartment, that she's always felt a little bit like an outsider. And yeah. again, I think that's giving the writers too much credit to At say that point, they saw yeah. that. Or, yeah. Because um, we also know that, um, you know, spoiler alert, we know that if the series had ended after the first season... Robin wasn't going to be the mother. That was not the plan. Right, that was never the plan, and obviously that was never, never the plan. But... Right. Ted was going to end up with someone who, while they were a character throughout the entire series at various times, were not, you know, it wasn't Robin. And it wasn't where we ended up. Right, and I guess, do we really want to hold on to this? Like... (laughs) I mean, we read the interviews, and obviously the person, like the immediate, like emergency, holy shit, we got canceled after one season. We need an ending. Mother was Victoria, right? Which I love, Victoria. She she's designed to be the perfect woman, right? In many ways, yeah. And you know? I I think at this point, you're you're right. Robin wasn't developed as a a character yet. She was she was an answer to Ted. Yes. But not, she wasn't her own character yet. Right. Do you want to get super meta and say, it's because Ted didn't really know her yet, and he's telling the story, and he's an unreliable narrator, but like, no. No, that's bullshit. Yeah. They just didn't know where to go yet. Yeah, they didn't know what to do with her yet. I mean, I don't even think she's Canadian yet. Is she? Do do we know she's Canadian at this point? I don't know. Crap. Oh, BT dubs. I did look up the the kid's couch, and it is different. Yes. Great catch. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think we see that couch again, though, because they use the footage from that first episode in, in later episodes. Right, just for, like, reaction or establishment yeah. shots of the kids sitting there. Right, just to, like, really fuck with our heads. Yeah. So, apparently, Ted Mosby had two couches in his dad's study or whatever. Come on, Ted. <laughs> um, I mean, not to, like, really devolve this into... Because this episode is not about Ted and his women. It's like, I don't think Ted and Robin say two lines to each other in the entire episode. I don't think so. But Robin, Victoria, and the mother, like the three viable candidates to be the end woman, mm-hmm. essentially. They are all designed in some certain way to be perfect. Like, you know? <laughs> it's true. They really are. I Vic- mean, Victoria just is great. Like... We don't see any we don't see any character flaw or any conflict with Victoria like her as a character until late in the series. Right. The only really- conflict in season 1 with Ted and Victoria before Ted fucks up is Victoria will no longer be physically present. Right. And then later in the series, her only, like, the only problem with Victoria is Robin. Right. Although, interestingly, Robin and Tracy are two women check off pieces of Ted's, like, proverbial list of qualifications to be the wife of Ted Mosby. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Victoria, I don't think does. 
Like, they never talk about her. You know, she has five dogs and she loves the Renaissance Fair and, and they she don't... plays the bass. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah, I think that Victoria originally was probably designed to be a fairly generic perfect woman. She has a, I mean, we'll get to the episode where she shows up, but she is kind of a little bit of a manic, manic pixie dream girl in that she shows up out of nowhere to give Ted this magical experience. We'll get there. Something else that just a general sitcom trope uh, to kind of throw out there. I, I like to call it sitcom level access. How the hell do they, like, how do they end up having anywhere near the level of access to things like the Liberty Bell that they do? You know, you see in sitcoms, you'll see, like, here, for example, yeah, you know, they're talking to a, like, security guard or whatever for the Liberty Bell, who's going to put their career at risk to let them near it. Yep. Or you see, you know, people like, I don't know, this isn't fully formed, and maybe I should have thought more about this, <laughs> but you'll see in other series, like, people at the, you know, there's never a line at National Monuments uh, when it's, you know, convenient, uh, except for, you know, sure, they stand in line at the... Um, Empire State Building. Thank you. You know, here, they stand in line at the Empire State Building later, but that's the point of that episode is that they're sitting there waiting and that's the reason that they're telling these stories but you'll see people like at the Statue of Liberty on other shows that you know you'll see them up in the crown at times when we know for a fact that things have been closed off like sitcoms don't follow real world expectations I know duh duh. that's all TV all TV does this. Like, it's just, like, it's a shortcut. Like, you assume if they're at the Statue of Liberty that they've already gone through five levels of security and been on that fucking boat. I, re- I recently went to the Statue of Liberty. and It was the most frustrating experience of my life. Um, you really haven't lived until you've stepped in a puddle and then screamed, fuck, 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 at the top of your lungs in front of a group of foreign exchange students. This is why you're my best friend. <laughs> so, was it worth it? Was it worth the, the wait? Sta- the Statue of Liberty? No. <laughs> Seeing my brother play at the Statue of Liberty? Yeah, probably. Well, yeah, that's pretty Whatever. cool. But how long did it take? How long did oh. it take for you to oh. get over there and see it and everything? Okay. <laughs> so, number one, we set up... So, I stayed at a hotel the night before um, in the financial district in New York City because it was an early morning performance. Like, they were supposed to start at 10 a.m. And Ugh. I was... I was, like, hell-bent on getting there. Um, And so, number one, I start walking in the wrong direction. So, I am now, like, I spend 15 minutes, I get a coffee. Like, I am now going in the wrong direction. I have no fucking idea. Because, apparently, I can't navigate for damn shit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, we get reached. Like, so I figure this out. We get turned around. We get on the subway. And... So now we're in the park and my boyfriend like says, no, we need to go to Port Authority. And I'm like, no, we don't need to go to Port Authority. So we go to Port Authority and they're like, no, like you need to walk to this other place. So we walk to this other place and we, so first you have to wait in line for tickets and then you have to get into this like super long, crazy security line where it's airport style security. 
like I had to take off my belt and like what the fuck is this shit man speaking of the post 9-11 world um so there's a boat waiting and like I am hell-bent on getting on this goddamn boat <laughs> like you know it's like 9 35 and I figure if I don't get on this boat I'm gonna miss the performance um so I ditched my boyfriend and ran for it and because I had made it through security first and he had a fucking laptop like a dipshit <laughs> why did he never mind so you know I like very stealthily like tried to get in with this like foreign exchange group that because it seemed like they were going to be the last group on the boat and they like the whole group got turned away Mike catch my boyfriend Mike catches up to me and he's like you need to calm your shit down and I and you know I just stepped in a puddle and it was the final straw like you know you just like I was literally jumping up and down screaming the f word at the top of my lungs see that could have been an episode of a sitcom right there Right there. Yeah, my life is a sitcom. It's called Aaron's Meltdown <laughs> on a pier in New York City. And it turns out my brother's band was, my brother, um, my brother's high school band was playing at the Statue of Liberty and I went down to see it. Um, but they were on a boat. They ended up being on a boat, I think, behind us. So, like, we actually beat them to the island and they didn't start playing until, like, 11. So, it worked out. I was, like, losing my fucking shit. <laughs> None of that trip sounds worth it. Um, that all sounds awful. I am contractually obligated and familiarly obligated to say that it was. Well, I guess that's fair. I got to eat amazing Thai food in the city. There's like no good Thai food around here upstate. And <clears throat> I don't know. It was fun. I mean, the other parts, the the getting to the Statue of Liberty was not fun. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> it's still frustrating just thinking about it, like being on the, like watching this boat. Like I just imagine my, like I, I remember myself watching this boat go away and i'm just performance i came all the way down here and i'm gonna miss it fuck (laughs) (laughs) anyway so yeah i think that sitcoms when they want to make their characters go through this um they do but because it's normally pretty boring and most people don't have meltdowns like i do um you know they just do it with a cut they're like oh well, we're going to get on the boat now. And they're like, oh, we're magically at the top of the Statue of Liberty. Whoopity-doo. I, I suppose that as unrealistic as it is, no one wants to sit and watch most of that process. It's super boring to watch people go through security unless they're going to get arrested for putting baggage on a carousel in JFK. And what was in that baggage? Condoms and a power bar. Yep. <laughs> a lot of fucking condoms. So many condoms. I mean, I know that Barney has a lot of sex, presumably. I, think, I mean, I think honestly, with the number of condoms that was in, I mean, obviously it's a visual effect, but practically, they're gonna expire before he uses them all. Obviously, there was a lot. But, so let's say the condoms lasted forever. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure that he could have banged safely. Every single woman that he allegedly bangs in the entire series. With just that suitcase would, full of condoms. With just that suitcase full of condoms. Um, he could have had 10, he could have had 30 years of safe sex with the number of condoms in that suitcase. So good for him. I'm mm-hmm. glad he's thinking about safety. Use condoms, guys. It's important. Yes. This is your safe sex, me- safe sex message. So, 
Speaking of Barney, we get a catchphrase. Definitely. We get the catchphrase. Is this the first time he's used this catchphrase? This is, uh, as far as I know, this is the first time Barney has said legendary. And it is is. definitely the first time that it's been important. If it's been mentioned elsewhere, it's been in passing. But I don't think it has been. Yes, this is this is indeed, I think, the advent of Legendary. Yup. And also the concept of Barney overusing Legendary. He says it like five times on the phone with Ted in one yeah. conversation. I mean, well, when they're doing the hand thing at the beginning of the episode, he says it. Oh, yeah. I mean, would, be, would building an igloo in Central Park be Legendary? No. I don't know. It could be pretty cool. Yeah, it'd be pretty cool, but I don't... I don't... Depends on how big it is. That's true. And how drunk you are. If it's big enough for them to drink in, then yeah, maybe. Are we on pro Barney side of Legendary? No, I'm not. I I think he definitely overuses it. I like that he overuses it, but I don't think that he uses it correctly. Yeah, I'm definitely a fan. Um, I mean, obviously. I think that, so all things considered, I kind of thought that this was one of the least harmful of Barney's schemes. Like, sure, they get stuck in security. <laughs> but it's it's just him and Ted that are inconvenienced. Yes. He doesn't, you know, the plan backfires, so he doesn't, like, really creep on anyone. It's true. Uh, and there's, there's no lasting harm. As soon as they figured out that it was just a suitcase full of condoms, they let him go. It was very amusing they were treating it the bomb squad, which absolutely would happen. Right. Whoever thinks about flying in America, like, anything could be a bomb now. So Barney and his obsession with legendary. I mean, we get a whole episode about it later. The, the concept that if all knights are legendary... Oh, right. Toward the... Toward the end? Season... It's when he's dating Quinn. Yeah, that's season seven? Season seven. I think. Wait, No. Season eight. Are you sure? Wasn't Did that during the the fall of breakups? No, I um, it's when it happens with um, it um, it happens when they're still dating. Because he's all upset because he's dating a stripper, which is both awesome. He hasn't proposed yet. And that happened you know, in like, seven. I'm pretty sh- I'm pretty sure that happened in season seven. Um, it's now we're even, because that's the episode where we 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 get the end of the with ted in the green dress no we get the end of that story ted in the green dress coming into the barn saying now we're even right it's because they were adding up the points as to like who was winning at life barney gets like a million because he's dating a stripper do you have anything else to say about this episode not really i think we would you would you lick the liberty bell probably not you wouldn't it's gross is it isn't it well i mean i certainly would if if given a safe opportunity, I would break in to see the Liberty Bell. Yeah, definitely. I would want to put my head in the Liberty Bell. I'm pretty sure it would not have occurred to me to lick it without the suggestion of this episode. Right. I bet the Liberty Bell people are like really frustrated because there's assholes trying to break in and lick it. Probably. What is your craziest last minute trip? Oh, God. I mean, last last minute? Um, I mean, I've done stuff like, can't think of anything. I can tell you the one I didn't do, which was go to visit my friend in Japan. Like, so I was studying abroad in Australia. My friend at the same time was studying abroad in Japan. And we got this crazy idea that like I would drop 1500 bucks and go fly to Kyoto for a week and a half over like spring break so we could hang out. Um, I ended up not doing it because 
it would have been all my money. <laughs> like literally all of it. Yeah, <laughs> I can see I, that. Yeah. And then I ended up um, dislocating my knee and needing like a serious amount of medical attention. Um, yeah. And while insurance in Australia is really good, you still have to give them money. And I didn't really have any. (laughs) (laughs) So it kind of ended up being for the best. But like, seriously, I was probably like, one drink and two seconds away from like, just blowing all of my money on a trip to and part of me regrets it. I'm not sure. I mean, there's a smart part of me that's like, oh, well, thank God you didn't do it. But there's definitely a part of me that regrets it. My best last minute story is the exact opposite. That's so smart. Right? I feel like you have a more exciting life. I used to buy and sell musical instruments. And winter of 2006, 2007, it was like New Year's Eve. I drove to New Jersey from Michigan. Uh, what should have been a 13-hour trip that took me mm, nine. Yeah. Dude. Yeah, I know. Um, drove out to New Jersey to an instrument store, uh, a saxophone dealer, and sold him uh, one of the tenor saxophones that I had for sale. So I drove to New Jersey last minute. Got a good story out of it and made almost three grand. That seems reasonable. I'm a little concerned about your driving. How fast were you going? Like on average, miles per hour. <laughs> average? Mm-hmm. 85. Oh, that's not bad. That's like Michigan State. That's like a little fast for Michigan, but like that's pretty standard. Yeah, I said average though. That definitely wasn't my top speed. So yeah. I left at 2 a.m., Uh, So that I could drive through without traffic. And got on the Indiana Toll Road. Got into Ohio on the Turnpike. And I'm doing 95. 90-95. In a car with a Michigan plate in Ohio. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. All Michiganders know this. But for the rest of you, Ohioans hate Michiganders with a passion. And we hate their faces too. That's true. Um, Ohio sucks. Ohio is the worst. It's the place where all dreams go to die and they can all go burn in hell. But (laughs) so because of this rivalry um, and mutual hatred to drive a car with a Michigan plate in Ohio. There's an inherent risk. There's inherent risk. It's basically to invite a ticket. You have to be so on your game. Like you cannot go like if the speed limit is 70, you can't go faster than 72 or they will be on your ass out of spite. But continue. So I'm traveling through down the an empty turnpike at about three in the morning, doing ninety ninety-five in my hideous Pontiac Aztec, and I crest a hill and I see two Ohio State troopers in the median, one facing one way, one facing the other. You're fucked, dude. They yep. And you know what happens as I blow past them? They wave. <laughs> They were waiting for someone else. <laughs> they had to be. I was something so was happening. fucking lucky. Yeah, they, something else was happening, but that's so fucking lucky, dude. <laughs> yep. So how much do we like or hate Ted today? Ted. He's such a buzzkill in this episode. Like, everyone is so keen to, like, go do stuff and have fun. And Ted's just like, I just want to go to the bar. I'm going to say, like, a six. I was going to say, I was going to say six, too. He went. He was 
He, he did. was dull, but he went. He went. He learned his lesson. Yeah. So we're both at a six? Yep. We are in agreement. We are in agreement. We are different from the first time we did this. What did we say the first time? Um, You were at an eight. I was at a five. So I've come up a point and you went down two. Huh. The power of persuasion. That's true. I mean, if I was going to rate other characters, I would give Barney a Barney because Barney is Barney. Um, I would give Marshall a 10 because he is just like charming and Marshall. Marshall's adorable in this episode. Um, I think in most episodes, but like he was especially in this one. Doesn't do anything too stupid. No, he doesn't. I mean, maybe offhandly telling Lily to take the ring off. He wanted to show that he wasn't jealous. He tried. He failed, but he, he failed. tried. He tried. Robin, like, I can't even rate her character. She's a non-issue. She's a non-issue. And Lily is probably like a six. She's like a little crazy in this episode. A little bit. It makes more sense as time goes on, but taken on out of context. Lily be cray. A little bit. Yeah. So now that we've rated everyone, we really only intended to rate Ted. <laughs> My fault. That's okay. All right. So anything else you have to say about Sweet Taste of Liberty? Their fun jaunt to Philly! 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 Yeah, we're just going to do that for Philly! No, I think that's all I have to say. That's all you have to say? Yeah. All right. So thank you so much for listening, guys. Um, Please... Head to thereReturn.com and follow us at at thereReturn on Twitter. Um, please tell us what you think about this episode. How much do you love or hate Sweet Taste of Liberty? Um, we obviously were had a lot to say and were a little in love. Um, <laughs> and then the other thing we want to hear, what's the craziest last minute trip you've ever taken? Um, my story's a little lame because it's like a non-starter, but Lear had a pretty good one. And I imagine there's got to be someone out there with a last minute trip to Vegas that that they can tell us about yeah something crazy just nuts like we want to hear about the time you went to bora bora and got eaten by cannibals like crazy stuff so thank you for listening hopefully this won't be an hour i think this is going to be about our time frame we're at three episodes thank you for listening um we'll be back next week what are we talking oh we're gonna hate ted next week because i believe his next week is his worst crime wait what's next week which one's return of the shirt oh God, that's right. Uh, yeah, everyone, we're going to hate Ted next week, and we are going to be so... Uh, I'm going to be drunk for that episode. That'll be fun. Let's get wasted and hate Ted. It'll be so much fun. So, all right, we'll talk to you later, guys. Bye, everyone. Bye.